Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, two weeks ago, we started a sermon series on prayer, and we have been focusing on the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 and 7, uh, are three chapters that give a message that Jesus taught called the Sermon on the Mount. And in, the chapter, and in, in these chapters, Jesus takes some time to teach us about prayer. And that's right, we see that right in the center of this. Uh, Jesus gives his disciples a model on how they should pray. Uh, two weeks ago, we looked at why we don't pray. And last week, we learned that it's not about our kingdom, it's about his kingdom. This week, I want to look at what we should pray for when we pray. With a new year upon us, some of us like to start the year off by making some New Year's resolutions. And maybe some of you here have done that, and maybe you're here and you're saying, hey, my New Year's resolution this year was I want to get better with God. I want my relationship better with God. I want my prayer life to be different. I want my time when I spend with God just to be a little bit different. And now we're 12 days in to the new year, and perhaps nothing has changed. Our prayer life is still like 2019, and we're sitting here saying, man, I just wanted to get better. I wanted to be better. I know for me, there was a time in my walk with the Lord, um, I had a hard time praying. And, when, and what I mean by it is that I would say, okay, I'm going to set my alarm a little bit early in the morning to get up to pray. I'm going to start my day out with God. And so I would do that, head to bed, and then in the morning time, my alarm would go off, and you know what I would do? I would hit snooze. I got an extra 10 minutes. I'm going to sleep. 10 minutes later, it comes by. I would hit snooze again. I would do it again. I would do it again. Finally, I need to get out of bed because I'm going to be late for work. I need to get going. I got to go. I don't have time now. Or I would get up, and I would go to the room where I want to sit and pray, and you know what I would do? I would turn the TV on to have that there. And as soon as I would hear the ESPN music come on, I would lose it. I would get distracted. Then my time with God was gone because I'm focused on what the news is on ESPN. Or I would make it down there, not have anything on, and sit in my room, and I would sit there, and I wouldn't know what to say. How many of you have been there before? Yeah. And he gets frustrated. What do I do? The great thing is Jesus gave his disciples a model outline on how they should pray. And this week I want to look at that model and figure out what Jesus said about what we should pray about. Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. The first thing we need to know here today is this, is depend on him for everything. When we read that scripture, we read the word give in this verse. Our first thought is the thing we want, this is the thing we want God to give us. Whether that thing is food, money, or an open door. But give doesn't just remind us of what we need from God. It reminds us of our needs, our need for God. Think about it. The very fact that we have to ask God for something is evidence of our need for him. When we pray give, we are praying dependently acknowledging our dependence on God. We're acknowledging our dependence on him. 
When we pray, we're saying, God, I need you. I need you daily. The word us is a reminder that we can pray for our own needs as well as the needs of others. There's not a limit to our prayers. The most obvious meaning of the phrase daily bread is a request of God to meet our daily physical needs. Jesus was most likely talking about God's provision of manna to the Israelites on their journey to the promised land. When the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, God provided them with daily manna to eat. In the New Testament, uh, we, see, we see this throughout, I'm sorry, bread is a common theme throughout Scripture. In the New Testament, Jesus calls himself the bread of life. John chapter 6, verse 35, then Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. When we pray, we are looking to the bread of life to provide our daily bread. Our daily bread is a symbol of our needs. He will take care of our daily needs. In Exodus, we see the story of Moses here. If you're not familiar with the story, it, it, I mean, we see Moses is, uh, says, okay, hey, I have a bunch of my people. They're captive, and I'm going to free them, and I'm going to take them to the promised land. And before they get to the promised land, they're wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And what happens is as soon as they hit this, this wilderness, they start to grumble. They start to complain. They start to say, oh, Moses, even though we were captive, we had food. We don't have any food right now. We should have just stayed as slaves. We see in Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for the day. And this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. So he's saying, look, I'm going to provide bread for them daily. They just got to go out and get it. We read further in the story in Exodus chapter 16, verses 14 to 20. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is this? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to him, It's the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each, every one of you are supposed to go out in the morning time. You're supposed to gather enough bread for you and enough bread for everyone in your tent. So if there's five people in your tent, you only grab, you grab enough to feed five people for the day. And the Israelites did what they were told. And again, Moses reminded them, only enough for the day. Do not store any for the morning time. However, some of them didn't listen to Moses. See, they were in this situation. They said, hey, I know what it felt like to be hungry. I know what it felt like. We didn't feel like our daily needs were being met. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to store a little something in the morning time because I can't go hungry again. And you know what happens in this story? They kept it to morning time. But when they woke up, it was full of maggots. And it began to smell. And I don't know if you've ever been around something like that, the maggots and that smell. It's a nasty smell, isn't it? And I, when I read this story, I think about, man, can you imagine this? You're in your tent, you come out in the morning time, and your buddy next to you, John, his tent, and you walk by his tent, and you're like, whoo, John, 
You didn't listen, did you? Because you stink, bro. You didn't listen. You weren't trusting. You were worried about tomorrow. God doesn't want you to worry about tomorrow or next week or next year. He wants us to trust him, to trust him for our daily provision. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. His daily bread is for the day. It's a daily thing. Jesus is saying our prayer life should reflect dependence on the Father. I can't make it through this day without him giving me the bread that I need. Now this isn't just talking about food. He's talking about the spiritual, the emotional, the mental, the financial need. It's everything you need in him. He's saying if you want, if you get up in the morning, you can get the bread. I've got bread for you. I got enough bread to get you through the day. You just got to get up. And you got to come to me. <coughs> Excuse me. But it's a daily thing. It's almost like thinking when it comes to your mind that you ate today and I'm good for the week. And of course, that's not true. If you're like me, you know you need five, six meals a day. <laughs> I need to get there. Every day, bring all your needs to God. Don't just bring God the stuff you think you have covered. So many times we put God in this box and we ask him to help us with the little things of our life. Like, God, today I'm, I'm running late for work, God, and I need you, God, to just help me hit every green light on the way to work. God, I just got pulled over. Let me be able to help me talk my way out of this ticket. We ask him for the things that we have covered. But God likes him when you need him for everything, even for the things you think you're taking care of yourself. Sometimes I feel like we treat God like a relief pitcher. We play this game of life, and we go through these different innings, and we're trying to win in life on our own. Then we get in trouble, and we make the call to the bullpen. We said, hey, give me the righty. Bring him in. I need him to come in and save the game. I need him to come in and save my life right now. I need him to come in and meet this need. So God comes in. He throws the curveballs. He throws the fastballs. He strikes out the side. And you know what we do? We sit there and we celebrate and say, Hallelujah, thank you, God. Thank you for what you just did for me. I'm so glad I serve a big God. And once we're done celebrating, you know what we do? We put them back in the bullpen. We say, all right, God, I'm good right now on my own. I'll call on you when I need you again. We put him on the bench, and he's sitting there waiting for us to call him again. Don't come to God with just your urgencies. Sometimes our prayer life gets really good when we need him to show up in a big way. God, I need some healing today. God, I'm just going through some things. I need a physical touch. God, I need a job today. I have a car repair that I can't afford. God, I need you to show up. Come to him with everything. God, I give you my marriage. God, help me be a better dad. 
Depend on him for everything that you need. His word tells us to come to him daily, depend on him. When we say, give us today our daily bread, we are saying God has everything we need. We're coming to God and we're saying, everything comes from you today. Lord, I'm going to need you to supply that. No matter what the need entails, God invites us to present that need to him. We need to depend on him for everything. The next way we should be praying is this. Number two, get your heart right with God and people. Get your heart right with God and people. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. Forgive us of our debts as we also forgive our debtors. When we pray, we have to get our heart right with God. How do we do that? Again, look at this verse, and it says, forgives, the first part of this verse says, forgive us of our debts. And when we look at that, we see the word debts, and we immediately go to the thought of money. Maybe you're thinking that. And if you're thinking in terms like money, let me talk to you about that for a second here. Think, think about financial debt for a moment. What does financial debt do to you? It overtakes your life, doesn't it? consumes you. It becomes this thing, this ugly thing that you, just weighs you down. And you're looking for how to get out of it, and you don't know how to get out of it. Financial debt stops you from growing, stops you from limits you for the things that you can do in life. Financial debt stops you and say, hey, I need to get a house, I need to get a car, I need to fix my car, or I need to get clothes, or I need to eat, and you can't do it because you have all this debt, and it's just consuming your life. It's just this ugly thing that's just weighing on you. I need to get new furniture, I can't do it. And that debt is, is limiting us to move forward. Debt isn't allowing us to move forward in our life. And in this verse, debt here actually means sins. Look with me in Luke chapter 11, verse 4. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Sin is just like that financial debt. It has the same effect on us. It doesn't allow us to move forward with God. Sometimes we don't even recognize the sin in our life and it just keeps, we keep it in a closet and we keep letting it build up, build up, build up and it comes out and we're embarrassed by it. We don't know what to do with it. It overtakes our life. And it's there and it's stopping us from moving forward. Some of us are saying, I'm, I must be the only one that sins. But Roman chapter three says this, 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory. All of us have sin that we're dealing with on a daily basis. And what we need to do is get our heart right with God. There needs to be a place in prayer where you say, search me, know me, test me. See if there's any anxious thoughts in me. Lead me. God, check on me. Put a finger on something that needs to be worked on. It's all right to ask God to say, hey, God, examine my life. Is there something there that I, I have that I need you to put a finger on that I need you to fix? Ask him to search you. You need to say, God, I'm asking you to search me because I want to be asked for forgiveness. And now that first part says, forgive us. This is where your relationship with God comes into play. You have to ask yourself, is my heart right with God? Psalms 139 verse 23 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me 
and know my anxious thoughts. What you're doing, you're saying again, God, search me. Point out my sin so I can confess it. Once you realize that sin and you're praying, you got to confess your sin to God. You got to take it to him and say, God, here is my sin. Can you forgive me? 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteous. Confess your sins. Don't put them in a closet. Confess them. Go to him and say, God, I get out in this world. I lose my focus on you. I need to see your character present in my life. God, today I need to ask you to forgive me for the places that have gone out of line. Help me, God. Forgive me. And once you're done, the next step part of your prayer is this, to get your heart right with people. That verse, Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, again says, forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I know what you're thinking. Keith, that person that's driving me nuts, that person who's wronged me, that person who said hurtful things about me or my family, that haven't even apologized to me and I'm supposed to forgive them? You're crazy. I can't do that. You don't understand, Keith, how bad they've hurt me. You don't understand what they did to me. I can't forgive them. I do understand. We got to be able to forgive people. You say, what are the benefits of me forgiving somebody? Because you need to explain that to me. Because right now I feel a lot better not forgiving them. Here are the benefits of forgiving somebody. This week I was preparing for this message and I came across this article from John Hopkins of Medicine and it said the following. Studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health, lowering the risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels, sleep, and reducing pain, blood pressure, and levels of anxiety and depression and stress. The first benefit is this. It's for your health. Think about it. We make ourselves sick because we can't forgive somebody. We carry that anger. We carry that bitterness. We carry that hurt. We see them coming down the hallway or coming down the street, and we can't even look at them because we can't stand to look at them. We're like, "Ah, I can't stand this person. They hurt me so bad. And it starts to weigh at us. We can't sleep at night. We think about it. Harboring unforgiveness doesn't hurt the person. It really hurts you. Stop hurting yourself. That person that you can't forgive doesn't bother them. It's messing with you. The second benefit is Jesus told us to do it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 through 15. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men for men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus is saying as Christians, we must be ready and willing to forgive the offense of others. We need to be ready. 
Jesus is saying, look, it's going to happen. It's probably going to happen daily if someone's hurt you. But you need to be ready. And you need to be ready to forgive them. I was talking to our team this week about this, you know, this, this point here of forgiveness of each other. And uh, one of our team members said, uh, said this to me, and it stuck with me all week. He said, harboring unforgiveness is like drinking rat poison and hoping the other one dies. Harboring unforgiveness is like drinking rat poison and hoping the other one dies. We need to be ready to forgive. We must be ready and willing to forgive. So how do we forgive? How do we get to that point that, hey, all right, I'm ready to do this. How do I do it? Today I want to give you five steps to forgiveness. The first one is this. Recognize your need for forgiveness from the Father. Recognize your need for forgiveness from the Father. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. And in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Number two, we need to be humble. James chapter 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Number three, this is a big one. Show compassion. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, be humble. Do not repeat, replay, I'm sorry, I can't speak today. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Number four, be merciful. Luke chapter 6, verse 36 says, Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And number five, love because love keeps no record of wrongs. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18 Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. Five steps to forgiveness is the first one again. Recognize your need for forgiveness from the Father. We need to recognize that. Number two is we need to be humble. Say, okay, hey, I'm going to forgive somebody. I need to be humble. Number three is I got to show compassion. Be ready to show compassion. Number four is be merciful. Number five, love, because love keeps no, wrong, no records of wrong. One of the best things you can do every day is not only forgive those who have hurt you, but forgive them in advance. Forgive, forgive somebody in advance. In my prayer life, I've, I've done this, and I've come to God in the morning time and just praying and saying, okay, I'm going to forgive people in advance. And just simply prayed something like this, Lord, for the ones who are going to hurt me, disappoint me. Because every day I know someone's going to hurt me, right? Or disappoint me. Those who do things to me that are just wrong, God, I'm going to prepare my heart in advance. I'm going to let them off the hook because that's what you did for me. Every day, we need to be praying for forgiveness and forgiving other people. We need to be praying that in advance as well because we're going to head to work and someone's going to offend you. Someone you think is going to do something to you that is wrong. 
We need to pray in advance. The third thing I want us to look at, what we should be praying is, number three, confront the enemy. Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. When you're reading this, you might be asking, why would God lead us into temptation? I want you to understand this this morning. Please capture this. He doesn't do that. He doesn't lead us into temptation. James chapter 1, 13 says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot tempt, be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. God does not tempt us to do evil, but he does allow us to pass through periods of testing. In our life, we're going to go through periods of testing, but he doesn't tempt us to do evil. He doesn't put us in tempting situations. And knowing that, we need to know what temptation looks like. We need to understand temptation. And you need to understand this, temptation comes in all shapes and sizes. Temptation comes in all shapes and sizes. We should pray every day that he would prevent us from being put into tempting situations. Pray every day. God, help me not to be in that tempting situation. God, help me to not overdo it with the candy bars because my insulin's going to go too high. Get rid of it. And what we really need to know is this. We need to realize we have an enemy. We have an enemy that if we leave him alone, that doesn't mean he's going to leave us alone. We have an enemy. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Many of you know I'm a big sports guy. And my favorite sport is football. I love football. I love watching it. Again, I stayed up too late last night watching football. I, I just love the game. And someday maybe my team will win and be in that situation in the playoffs, but I don't know. <clears throat> But what I love to do when I watch football is I love to sit with my son, Zach, and love to talk about X and O's, the X and O's of the game. I love with sitting with him and talking about, man, the defense, they're in a 4-3 right now. They're in a cover two. Look what they're doing here. They're loading the box. Oh, they shouldn't have did that. This is what I would have called or being on the offense side and saying, man, this is what they need to call right now. This is doing that. And breaking that down with him. We do that. I think we drive the girls in our house crazy because we're all, I'm, I'm talking that all the time. We can't watch the game. We'll rewind it and say, did you see that block? Did you see that? And I would love to get, be one of those sports announcers and have uh, one of those screens so I can draw circles on players and draw those routes I love to do that at home, be able to do that at home. I don't think my wife would appreciate that, but it would be so good to do that and have that and be like I'm at a drawing board and coming up with plays. That would be awesome. Church, like it or not, our enemy's at a drawing board and he's coming up with plays to mess you up. The enemy has a drawing board. And he's got plays that he's coming up with to mess you up. 
He wants to mess you up. He wants you to fail. He wants you to walk away from God. So he's throwing defenses at you. He's throwing different offenses at you. He's doing, throwing blocks at you. He's doing all those things to mess you up. And then we need to know that. And by knowing that, we need to be ready to confront our enemy. And how do we do that? In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12 says, Finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. Look, it's right there in the scripture. So you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. <clears throat> For, sorry, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil. The enemy has got a game plan. God plays. And we need to recognize that. And as we're praying that, we need to be ready to confront the enemy and say, look, God, I know the enemy wants to mess me up today. So I need to put that full armor of God on. I need to be ready to go. One of the things I love about Calvary is our belief in giving to missions, our support for missionaries around the world. And also the part I love is partnering with our missionaries, uh, being able to go on trips and, you know, work in the area that they're at, help them build schools, churches, whatever they're doing. Uh, if you've never experienced that, man, get in Leah's world because we have trips scheduled all out throughout the year of 2020 that you can be a part of. It's life-changing to be able to do that. Uh, a few years back, uh, I went on a mission trip to South Africa, and I had the opportunity to work with our favorite missionary, Leah, while she was there. And so yeah, I was looking forward to be able to work with her and be that. And uh, I was literally looking forward to this trip just because, one, it's Africa. I'm going to Africa. And on this trip, we were going to be working with kids and put on this sports program. And that's right up my alley. And we had a big team that was going with us here from the church. And so like, oh, this is going to be fun. We're going to teach them American sports. We're going to teach them about God. It's going to be great. And we're going to be in Africa. And when we got there, Leah met with our team and, you know, walking through the week and all this stuff. And she said to us, she said, okay, guys, I have something for you. If you work really hard this week, I have a surprise for you. We're like, what is the surprise? Again, if you work really hard, I'm going to take you on a safari. I'm like, say what? <laughs> yes, I want to be on that safari. I'm going to be your best worker all week long, Leah. You could tell me to do anything, I'm going to do it because I'm going on a safari. I want to do that. So throughout the week, we're having a great week. We're seeing kids come to Christ. We're seeing all this community that we're working with, just God moving. And uh, as we got closer, I kept thinking about that safari. We're getting, I know I'm doing a good job. I'm going on a safari. I've been Have all week. She's taking me. It's going. Then I started to think this way. Wouldn't it be really cool if I can hold a baby line? Wouldn't it be cool if we go on this safari and I'm like the line whisperer and the baby line would come to me and I would pick it up and present it all to Africa say, here we are. 
The circle of life came to my mind. It was all here. I'm thinking about this safari. This is going to be great. So the week, end of the week comes. We get there. We head out to this place, and they take you in, and they say, okay, um, we got to go over the rules for you before we take you out on the safari. Like, all right, we got rules. We got to do it. You know, and some of the things they said is, hey, um, don't feed the animals. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to feed the animals. Okay, don't feed the animals. Uh, and they remind us, hey, we're going in their, their world. You know, um, we got to respect them. And also, it's going to get cold while you're out there because we're going to be out there right when it gets dark. So we have blankets for you. And, you know, they're trying to make you feel good that they're going to keep you warm and stuff. And so uh, it's going to be cold. And also, we need you to know this, that uh, we're going to get really close to the animals. So you, you can't reach out and touch them, and you can't get out of your vehicle. And I'm like, whoa, 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 time out. How close are we getting to these animals? And he was like, we're getting really close to these animals. And so, again, when we get close to him, please don't get out of your vehicle and run. I'm like, run? What is going on? Time out. So I'm starting to little, little freak out a little bit. And, again, we're here with a big team. You know, we got people here from Calvary. Pastor Chad's there. And they're going to split us up and put us in two vehicles. And we're going to go off on our own. Uh, you know, different directions, and I'm like, okay, I'm just getting a little nervous here, and uh, so we head outside to the vehicle, and the vehicle, if you, saw, if you can see the vehicle, it sits real low to the ground, like the driver part, and it had two doors for the driver to get in, and the rest it was high in the air, and it had no sides to it, and no top, and I'm like, oh, hold on, where are the sides? And it had no seat belts. All they had for you was a blanket. And I'm really starting to feel like, I, I don't want to go on the safari. I'm going to get eaten. I don't want to do this. But, you know, everybody else in our team are looking, looking at me, and I'm one of the pastors, and I got to lead, right? By example, I'm like, all right, guys, let's get up in the vehicle. Let's go. So we load up in the vehicle, and we head out. And it was everything like the animal channel. Like, we went out there, and we're driving, and it was beautiful. You can see the animals running around. You can see it. It is just awesome. And I would even say to the one guy that was sent to me, my buddy, like, dude, pinch me. I'm in Africa. This is awesome, seeing the animals. And as we're still driving around, it really dawned on me at that point, I'm in a zoo. But there's no glass between me and the animals. There's no wall. There's no fence. I'm really in their world. And we're getting close to the animals. And if they wanted to take out the vehicle, they could take out the vehicle. The only thing we had protecting us was this little guy guide who was shorter than I was, and he only had a little handgun on him. That's not taking an elephant down. That's not stopping the animal. And I started to feel a little unsafe and a little uneasy. And there was some radio communication going on. <coughs> Excuse me. A little radio communication going on. And our guy turned to us and he said, there's antelope coming in. And uh, we believe the lions are coming in to hunt them. And we're going to drive over there. <laughs> yeah, oh no, that's what I said too. Oh, no, what? We're going to drive over there to them. 
He says, this is going to be great. So we drive over there, and the sun is starting to set, and it's starting to get dark, and we get there, and then you can see all these antelope all over the place. And then, uh, again, it's getting dark, and he says, so just want to remind you, you have your blankets to keep you warm, and uh, so you can use them. And, then, and then like in Africa, when it gets dark, it gets dark quick like that. And so now you can't see the antelope, and then, you know, they have their headlights on, and they're shining their light out, and you can see, still see the antelope, and then the radio communication continues to go on, and then he turns to us, and he said, the lines are here. They're coming in, and they're actually right behind us. <laughs> I'm like, what? They're right behind us? I start looking at everybody in the vehicle saying, well, I know I can outrun you. I can outrun you. I'm out of here. And I even start praying, oh, Lord, Lord, this is it. This is how it's going to end for me. I'm in Africa. Please let my wife know and my kids know that I love them. It's in and here out in Africa. And so we wait and wait. And he says, okay, we're going to wait. We're waiting. And then there's some more radio communication going on. And then he turns to us and he says, the lines are definitely here. They're only a few feet behind the vehicle. So what I need you to do is be quiet and don't move. And he's smiling while he's whispering. <laughs> and I'm like, don't move. This is crazy. So the next thing you know, there's some a little bit more radio communication. And he says, they're only a matter of just a few feet behind us. So this is the time right now. I need you not to say one single word. Please don't move because the lion could jump up in the vehicle. I'm like, we're dead. <laughs> we're dead. And so as we waited, here it comes up on my side of the vehicle. A lion just moving. Moving. Prowling in, sniffing the air. You can hear the lion breathing. And the next thing you know, the lion stops right by the vehicle. And I thought it was over. <laughs> the lion then decides to, hey, I'm just going to take off and I'm going to go this way. Doesn't attack the antelope. And as the lion walks away, and it's in the clear. Our guide turns to us and he goes, wasn't that cool? <laughs> no, it wasn't cool. We could have died. And he looked and he smiled. He says, well, this is the end of your trip. We're going to head back in. And so we head back in. You know, our team, Pastor Chad and the rest of the team are there. And they're waiting for us. And we get in. And we're like, oh, this was so cool. We had almost watched a lion kill a bunch of antelope. And they was right next to our vehicle. And the, the guide's high-fiving his other guys. And he, you know, and he's celebrating how close we got. And I was scared. And our guide came over to talk to us. And he said, look, you were okay. You were safe with me. You stayed with me. You listened to me. You didn't run. I gave you a blanket. But 
but you didn't run and you listened. I took care of you. I have you. I had you under control. And just like that guide on my safari, we have a guide that we can turn to every day to get our daily needs. Our guide can help us when the enemy is lurking up on us, step, stepping around us. He can help us to defend against the enemy. Our God is there to help us every day. He's there. We can depend on him. We can pray to him, and he can give us that full armor of God. See, Jesus gave us an outline on what to pray. Now all we have to do is do it. He's given us this outline. He's saying, look, I've given you this outline. All you got to do is start praying. It's easy. And so many times we talk ourselves out of prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6 says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret rewards you. Think about this for a second. Jesus is saying, look, when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your Father who's unseen. See, we have to find that room in our house that we can shut the door. And if it's us getting on our knees or staying in that, get whatever posture you want to get in and just saying, Father, I'm here today. I praise you. I thank you. I love you. And today, these are my needs. We just got to talk to our Father. He wants us to talk to Him. See, I know when I went to that room, and I finally got to shut that door and begin to pray to my Father like a dad. My life was changed. Today, I can't imagine not getting up and starting my day without God. My life was changed because of prayer. And you can do the same thing. You can do the same thing. When prayer becomes your daily habit, seeing God will move be your daily experience. When prayer becomes your daily habit, seeing God will be seeing God move will be your daily experience. Don't forget to pray. Don't make excuses why you can't pray. Why you can't get up in the morning time to pray. Don't be too proud to pray. So many times I think we do that too. We're too proud. We say, "Hey, I got this on my own. I'm a man. I can do this by myself." We get too proud. Don't be too proud to pray. Prayer changes things. The cool thing about prayer, it's the one thing available to anybody, anytime. Anybody, anytime, you can have communication. You can have a talk with your Father in heaven. All we got to do is do it. Church, I'm looking so forward to this 40 days of prayer and this journal. <coughs> Excuse me. You should have received this when you walked in today. And I encourage you to take this 
with you. If you didn't get one, you can stop by the hub. Just get one on the way out and take this and say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this 40 days of, uh, of a journal with God. I'm going to journal these things. I'm going to do the things that it says in this book and commit to praying. Because I believe if you can commit to 40 days, God's going to do something big in your life. And if you're praying, you say, hey, I want 2020 to be different. I want my relationship to be different with God. Guess what? Right here, it starts right here. It starts right here. But what it starts with is it's just coming to the Father and saying, Father, thank you for today. I have my needs. God, will you meet my needs? God, I have some things in my life that I'm dealing with. I have some sins. God, will you forgive me of my sins? God, I am struggling with somebody right now. Will you forgive me for, for right now the way I've treated them? Forgive me that I haven't forgiven them. And then be ready to confront the enemy. Say, God, give me strength today. I'm headed out in this world. There's going to be temptations that come my way. God, there's some sin I'm dealing with. God, take it. Prayer changes things. God would love to hear from you. He's waiting. Stop putting him in the bullpen. Stop waiting to call him in when there's just an urgency in your life. Call him into your life every day. Today, I want to close this way. I'm going to ask you just to stand with me. And today, I want to pray for you. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your presence here today, God. God, we thank you for the things you've done in our life. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for the, what you did on the cross for us. And today, God, we come to you. There's many people in this room that have needs. In this room, in the auditorium too, if they're watching online, God, they have some daily needs. God, I pray for the one that needs a job today, God. God, I pray that you open the door for them to have that job. God, I pray for the health issues that are standing here. God, I pray that you touch them physically right now. God, I pray for just the marriages in this room that are broken. God, I pray right now you heal those marriages right now, Lord. God, I pray for all the needs that are in this room, God. You know the needs. God, I pray that you meet somebody's needs today. God, I pray for forgiveness too. God, we are human and we're dealing with things in our life. So God, let us see the sin that we have, God. And God, I pray that you forgive us of our sins. God, we're so thankful that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins, that we can come to that cross and say, Jesus, will you forgive us? And you wash that away. We thank, we're thankful for that. So God, we pray for that. And God, I pray for the person that is dealing with somebody that they can't just forgive right now. Today, we've heard five steps on how to forgive. God, I pray that we take those five steps and we apply them. And God, let us to be able to open our hearts to forgive people just like you forgive us. And God, I pray right now, because we know as we get ready to take this 40 days here of prayer time, or even, God, 
Just even as we walk out here, we know the enemy is drawing up place to mess us up. God, I pray against the enemy right now. God, I pray that we build walls around us that are so hard the enemy cannot penetrate. God, let us come up with our plays, our schemes, to where the devil cannot come into our lives and mess it up. God, I thank you that no matter what we go through, you're standing by our side. You are our guide. You're there to help us. And all we have to do is turn to you, Father. And you say, hey, I got this. We thank you for that. God, I pray as we as a church get ready to do the 40 days of prayer. God, we know again that we're going to, our mind, the enemy will give us excuses why we can't do it or show us times that we can't do that. God, we pray against that right now. God, I pray that when we jump into this journal for 40 days, God, that you just change our lives. God, you speak to us in a mighty way. And at the end of these 40 days, God, we can celebrate the life change that has taken place in people. And again, God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word today, God. Let us have a great week, God. Let us be a light for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, you guys. Have a great week.